Welcome to Regional Rights. My name is Jonathan Oates. In the early 19th century, the English radical William Cobbett wrote Rural Rights, documenting what he saw around the country, which he traversed by horse, to support his arguments against the injustices of his time. In the autumn of 2017, I set out on a motorcycle visiting all 12 regions of the main part of the United Kingdom in the British Isles, in preparation for my own effort. Where Cobbett had to rely, I presume, on memory, dip, pen and paper, I was equipped rather with a smartphone and a digital handy recorder. Presented in this series is a selection of some of my voice memos and other sounds featuring both pre-arranged and chance conversations recorded along the way. Um, this is what a bike sounds like, if it starts. And I'll uh, catch up later. East of England. For my first regional ride I rode from South Holland in the Fens east across Norfolk to Kings Lynn and then on to Norwich where I stayed the night, some 55 miles in all. I visited the city centre and quayside in Kings Lynn and happened upon Ecotricity's Green Britain Centre in Swaffham, unfortunately after closing time, en route to Norwich. In Norwich I spoke with Scarlett at work in a city centre bar before checking into overnight accommodation and seeing the city centre by night. My second regional ride brought me to Cambridge, travelling about 65 miles southwest from Norwich across Norfolk, Suffolk and into Cambridgeshire. In the morning I visited the Greater Anglia picket line of the National Union of Rail, Maritime and Transport Workers at Norwich Railway Station, part of the Safe Trains for All and Keep the Guard campaigns. On the picket line I spoke to Dave Welsh, a retired guard himself and a member of Norfolk for the Nationalisation of Railways, a campaign group, and Momentum, or People's Momentum. The RMT is the largest transport-focused union in the UK, with over 80,000 members. Mentioned in the South West England episode of this series, Momentum is a 40,000-strong membership organisation supporting the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn inside and outside of the Labour Party. For my third regional ride, another 60 miles or so, I made south-east for Haverhill in Suffolk, and then south through Essex to Chelmsford before retiring to accommodation in Eythorpe Roading. In Cambridge I spoke to Simone, a homeless woman I'd met the previous afternoon. After a near miss on the way into Haverhill, I reached Chelmsford in the late afternoon, speaking to Tia following her shift in a coffee shop and spending time at a gallery viewing and then a city centre bar. Note that in what follows, whilst my progress through the region can be heard during the episode, 
the conversations have not been presented strictly chronologically. I think I'm just outside South Holland. You can see why it's called South Holland. It's flat as a pancake round here. Uh, immediately you can see dikes. I've crossed over an extremely large dike earlier. There's an awful lot of agriculture going on. Uh, every other lorry is carrying agricultural equipment. Loads of tractors on the road. Loads of produce on the road. Potatoes just went past. Uh, a truckload of kale. The field I've stopped uh, next to is uh, busy with pickers, a mixture of people and looks like a field of brassicas of some sort, a mixture of people and uh, equipment, uh, large, pal large uh, pallets moving around, towers of pallets on forklifts, I guess. But uh, substantial workforce still, probably, um, probably migrant labour, to judge by what people have been saying around here. It's 10 to 3. I'm in uh, Kings Lynn in Tuesday Market Place. Um, I've managed to clarify this morning, I think. Courtesy of Brusque, cereal crops, oats, wheat, barley, and oats. So, corn exchanges all over the country are where I'm guessing the local wheat, barley, and oats cereal crops were traded. 9.30. Uh, walking up from the station. I'll check the name of the road later, but. Lots of uh, interesting stuff going on. And I think probably the first time on this trip I've seen, um, other than a building or a <clears throat> shop front, any sort of sign of the sex industry in its various forms. There's a woman standing outside a table dancing place with two doormen having a cigarette. Uh, I don't know what she's doing or why, or even whether she's one of the dancers, though I would guess so. Thanks to Colin on the door at a pub, I'm taking a scenic route along the river to, uh, to the city centre. He said there are two ways of getting there. He said, um, amongst other things, he said there's um, quite a lot of money. I, I said Norwich reminded me of York and uh, Lincoln Little, and he said yes, yes, from the point of view of the um, buildings and the street furniture and so on. And I said, um, maybe not as much money as in York? And he said, oh no, there's uh, plenty of money circulating around Norwich, both, um, both people investing um, uh, and people, you know, Norwich people investing and money coming in from outside as well, outside influences as you put it. Um, a couple of people involved in the television and film industry, I mentioned someone um, selling oop, fish or something messing around in the river, um, someone uh, selling their offshore company for to someone or other for many millions of pounds and they're still in, still in their city of origin. Just talking to Ten past ten, he's talking to Neil in the Royal Arcade, who's uh, working as a security guard. And uh, I hadn't realised it. I approached him to just have a quick word and reassure him I wasn't up to any mischief. In fact, I was trying to just inspect the arcade. I expressed surprise that uh, it was still open at this time. I'm, I think I'm used to in Bath things being uh, closed off. Um... I hadn't realised to, to the right as I approached him was 
uh, a woman uh, whose age was a little difficult to tell because she was holding a hood over her face so we couldn't see her face. Um, she was, I would, I would guess she was an old age woman. I, all I could really see of her was, was her toes and feet sticking out from under her clothes and they're in a pretty ropey state and uh, she was very humble and polite and apologetic and she's obviously feeling ashamed and uh, we both asked whether you know he was obviously just going to because it's his his work unfortunately he he doesn't know what can be done really but it's his job to, of course to secure the arcade and close it by a certain time so um, I asked just because of concern you know are you without anywhere to stay for the night you know anywhere you can sleep and she said no I'll, I'll go and sleep I can't remember what she said so she had somewhere else in mind as an alternative not sure what number I got to was it four four five this time it's uh, uh, an old man with a large grey beard. Uh, large grey beard. Uh, uh, clearly living on the on the streets. I'm not like my peers in the sense that I haven't gone to university. Um, as soon as I finished my levels, I went off travelling and worked and haven't really yeah. settled down as much as other people, I think. And yeah. I still have no clue what I want to do. Yeah. And I'm not scared the fact, well, sometimes it does freak me out, but I'm not really too scared that I don't know yet. Because yeah. my mum didn't know what she wanted to do when she was like 30 and still doesn't really know. Yeah, yeah. So I travelled the east coast of Australia. I actually. Um, I went to Australia, I thought I was only going to be there a month and I was just going to travel about and I was like, yeah, I'll just be there a month, mum, don't worry, just need a break from Norwich. And then I got there and I just had the best time ever. I just thought, I, like, I didn't want it to end. So I flew to New Zealand for two weeks right. to apply for a working holiday visa because you can't be in the country when yes, you have one. Yeah, yeah. And then flew back and then stayed there for like a year, then went to New Zealand and lived there for a month then came back like I just yeah I, road trip though was the best thing the best decision I ever made because it really like opened up my mind you're working here is it full-time yeah full-time so I pretty much I got this job as soon as I came back because my sister works here yeah actually the deal here is pretty good yeah yeah Compared to, on average yeah, yeah. I, I did apply for other jobs and they were so they were offering minimum wage and it was like £5.75, which is... Yeah, we should explain. This is the minimum wage for... For under 21-year-olds. Under 21-year-olds, okay. So I think that's just ridiculous because I, if I wanted to live, I can't live off £5.75. Even if I work the amount of hours that I'm working now, it'd be impossible. Like, you'd literally just be... I think you'd just be going going home, going to work and not doing anything fun. Having I mean, is it, does it sound to you like... That people, it, the government expects you, the people who are the authors of this structure, do they expect you to live with your parents whilst you are young? 
ergo um, you can be paid so little, was that the deal? Or? I think so, and I think they try to kind of push you into like lanes, like uh, not lanes, like categories. Yeah. Because when I was in was I, when I was in school, like no one ever said like you do realise you don't have to go to university, you don't have to go to this and this, you can actually just do whatever you want. They made it seem like if you didn't pass your A levels that was a be all and end all and you're not going to go to university, you're not going to do anything with your life, and actually, it's not that way at all. But, um, and I think when you don't fit that kind of... That is this a state, a state Yeah, school? state school I went to, yeah. A sixth form college, or was yeah. it was a sixth school with a sixth college. form? It was a sixth form college. Is yeah. that in Norwich? Uh, that was in Reefham, just outside of Norwich. In? Reefham. Reefham. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was just kind of like... So basically, it's it's... There's a lot of pressure to get you into university. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's loads and loads of pressure. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I got really ill because of the pressure of A-levels. A lot of people that I went to school with came out of mental health problems. And that should not be the case. Two people from my year have killed themselves. And it's just... And you just think, that shouldn't be happening for kids at this age. They should feel like that this is a prime time of their life. Like, there is nothing stopping them. I, mean, I knew there was... I knew there was a problem. Yeah. But it's still shocking to hear someone just tell you, yeah. Yeah, you that's... Know, two people took themselves out. Yeah. And it's like, because no one makes you We're see talking them. about children. Yeah. Yeah. Taking their own lives. And there should be help as well, but the government aren't giving enough help. Like, when I was really ill, I had to be nearly dying to get steamed by a doctor. And it's just like, it's just... There's complete lack of support. And I just think the whole thing is just going a bit <laughs> We're independent. We're a mainly passenger group. Yeah. But obviously, if you had these kind of... One of the things we hope that will happen is that we will, have, we will see these kind of campaigns blowing up all over the country. Yes, yeah. Where you've got, you've got people who are prepared to support disputes. Disputes, yeah. 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 But, I mean, our more, aim more in the long that. term is... Yeah. Well, what we want to do is we want to encourage people to talk about what public ownership would do in the long run. Were yeah. there to be a government yeah. that brings in public ownership? And it says, it says here, under the Norfolk Nor, um, standard, it says Norfolk for nationalisation of yeah, rail. Yeah, of rail. And, yeah. That, and also it says, you know, bring railways back to the community. Yeah. So what we're saying is, I mean, I'm an ex-British rail worker. And I mean, British rail, was, although it was a nationalised industry, was not really run by... The workers themselves, or the passengers. It was it was the old British it was, model. It was the old British model. The yeah, board, yeah. From top down, yeah. the board does things. Yeah. Is appointed yeah. by the government. Blah yeah. blah. The great and the good, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And over those years, you can't say that working on there. Certainly, my ex experience. It was very. It was low pay for guards and conductors. Um, long hours. Um, not great conditions either. And, I mean, that was the legacy of British Rail. Now, yeah. we don't want to go back to yeah, that. Yeah. What we want is to encourage people to talk about, well, exactly who do you want to run it? Do you want local authorities to run it? Do you want regional authorities yeah. based on yeah. the current company structure? Do you, how much do you want workers' cooperatives? Yeah. All of these things are possible. Yeah, and that, that really is important because I think it's a tactic used to sort of stop people from listening yeah. to voices calling for change yeah. to say oh you're just trying to turn the clock back to that, that's right exactly that, that's what is often, often held as is that well you yeah. want to go back to british round yeah. curled up sandwiches yeah. which is a, largely a myth <laughs> anyway but 
you know, that's the problem. Yeah. But we, you know, as far as we're concerned locally it's here in It's a straw Norwich, man, yeah. It's a straw man. And what you want to do is to say to people, well, you could have a bit more control over how your railways run and how they're actually integrated with bus services, yeah. you know, trams, yeah. all these things are currently... I like, I like trams. Well, they're all separate. They're all <laughs> run by different, yeah. different companies or authorities. Yeah. And we're saying, well, in the long run, you want to bring them together, don't you? Yeah, an integrated system. Integrated system, system yeah. which we're so far from now. Yeah. When you have, what, 30-odd yeah. companies. I mean, with, you know, passengers are not happy with the standard of, well, the fares, value for money. Anything. And if you think about disabled passengers, you've got a situation... So who is happy with it? Well, Someone must clearly be. somebody is. But, I mean, I think possibly some of the people who are fairly well off who are plugged into all the systems now where you yeah you can book a train six months in advance on your app. Yeah. But if you want to get on a train the same day, yeah. it's going to cost... I mean, I think London well, to, to Norwich is about... Well, I used, to go, I used to go down to Bath um, occasionally. Yeah, same thing. Bath to London uh, on the same day is 89 quid or something. Yeah, I mean, it's appalling. Yeah. Um, I.e., so you can't travel, mate. That, well, I mean, when you think of... People are unemployed it's not for you. or on low pay. Yeah. They can't travel anywhere. Yeah, it's not for you. It's what it says. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is a apartheid system where yeah. you're pushing people out using public transport. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not going to sit here and pretend to you that I know everything about it all. <laughs> I only know what I can see and what I can see through my family and my friends. And you know, it's terrible, terrible. Um, you know, you've got just like I said earlier the gap between the rich and the poor only growing larger. The privatisation of the NHS continuously means that the poorer you are, the less healthcare you can, you can get. Like, take for example, um, I have scoliosis and I have knock knees. You have? I have scoliosis, scoliosis. and I have knock knees yeah. and I also have a defect with my feet, which means that every year I should get um, orthopaedic insoles updated and I should get the moulds of my feet done. And because so that will go with you and support you as you... Exactly, because control. my feet basically yeah. need to be turned back and then supported as well. And because I can't actually afford to do that anymore, it's been three years since I last had those updated. And constant pain, do you know what I mean? It's loads And you work, I mean here, presumably yes. you're working on your feet most of the day? Yes, I've kind of learned to ignore it. You'd learn to ignore it to a point but you get what I mean yeah. it's, it's loads of little things like that and you know with spending cuts in regards to police the like literally the stabbing and the murder rate in Chelmsford is just completely on the up and you don't fully have it hit home until it starts becoming people the you know, someone your friends know. Close or, to you, it? Yeah, yeah. I've never, I've, I've been fortunate enough that it hasn't been anyone who's been immediately close to me, but it's been friends of mine who have been stabbed, and some of them preconceived by the sounds of it. I mean, obviously, I'm not actually there for any of them. I couldn't tell you the exact backstory of them, but to give you an example, um, a month ago, it was a guy called John. He used to be a, a regular at Missoula. And um, basically, he was involved with the wrong people. He wasn't a drug dealer himself but he was basically someone who would collect money for drug dealers. So the people that owed them, this big old burly guy, would come along and say, give me the money. Um, and basically, Effectively a, a debt collector. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, obviously not in any means a legitimate debt collector. And there is a massive correlation between 
being involved with drugs and being shot or stabbed. Okay. That happened. Yeah. Fine. But, um, yeah, basically that happened. Um, and these 16 year old boys somehow managed to get a hold of a gun. And they were people that this guy John had been to. And he, he went on a night out. Yeah. He literally just walked down to spa to go get cigarettes. They got out of the car and they shot him. I've met uh, Danny, a bench joiner from Bolsova, um, who describes himself as, on thinking about it, Scottish. Great character. Uh, sort of machine gun uh, delivery and not an entirely easy accent to, uh, to cope with. And he immediately segued into talking about how he used to work at uh, McDonald's. I'm going to have to try and remember two or three stories here. One of them is about his experiences at McDonald's, and um, he talked about the way, the way that the company, and I guess the franchises, kind of run this system, whereby which sort of pits all the staff against each other in an attempt to climb up the greasy pole. And uh, he said it was, um, what did he say? It was all skullduggery and back backstabbing. Uh, he said uh, he got four, he got four stars, and uh, and uh, to cut a long story short, when he, he was um, invited to do something that he felt uncomfortable with to get a fifth, he said, uh, "I'm sticking on four. and I think he he left soon after and um, trained as uh, trained as a ma master craftsman, so bench joinery. It's uh, 20 to 2. I'm still in Norwich because of uh, a long conversation I've had in the tea lounge with Darren, a uh, young man, I think he's in his early 30s, who's um, in a really difficult position at the moment, difficult situation. He's got um, back problems which have rendered him disabled um, and are interfering with his ability to do a job which is doing his head in but he's got children. Sounds as though he's had a difficult breakup and uh, access to his kids is uh, up in the air who's battling sort of left, right and centre with doctors and all sorts to try and access um, support, channels of support and benefits. It feels pretty isolated I think. He mentioned Britain first uh, as as being an interesting, potentially interesting group. Just um, standing, taking in the sights, and really struck by the, I suppose, grandeur and um, pristineness of um, King's College and uh, the buildings surrounding it. Stood in what seems to be a, it's a road. I don't know whether it's reserved for cyclists or not, but. Um, I'm, you know, I'm new here, I don't know how things work. The guy uh, just passing me, um, I'm sure said Dick, uh, struck me as, um, I don't know whether it was or not, but it struck me as being rather aggressive. Yeah, I checked with the parking attendant uh, working here, and uh, he said, oh no, it's a shared, shared space, that street. Uh, cars, cyclists. Motorcyclists, pedestrians. Um, I said, oh, well, this is what happened to me. And uh, he said, yeah, cyclists, they're crazy. I said, why do you think that is? He said, um, not a lot. And I, you know, 
I interjected and I said, um, maybe they feel threatened by cars, so it makes them aggressive. He said, or other cyclists. There's a little bit more activity there. I think uh, there's some sort of student thing going on with uh, people in lycra and pink vests and whatnot. And uh, I don't know what was said, but uh, homeless guy sitting on the corner of the Cambridge Building Society shouted, help me, I need help. Um, I'm sat with Simone, yeah. who I met yesterday, in fact, I think, was, was it? Yeah, Over yeah, there, yeah. And uh, Simone, I'm afraid to say, is at the moment on the streets, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, I, I felt, I always feel very careful about asking anyone in your position whether you want to speak or be photographed. Yeah because I know it's it's a difficult thing and I'm conscious that it's easy to feel that I'm exploiting people. But I want you, if you're comfortable, just to tell us a bit about life as you see it and your experience and how you came to be in that position. Well, I'm not going to be ashamed to talk because to get myself heard on a daily basis is difficult. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to talk to you, nobody wants to listen. So an opportunity arises where I can say, listen, hi, my name's Simone. I'm 40 years old, I'm homeless, and I'm a human being, you know. I, I've been in care all my life, and I separated from my partner, and, you know, I ended up on the streets because, you know, I had nowhere to live, I had no means, and the government's changed, you know, we can't use the job centre as an address, and we can't claim. And I'm sorry to say I have to rely on the public every single day for everything I need, for food, for water, if I want shelter. Have you been in Cambridge, sort of, for years? About a year, one year. Where was where were you based before? Peterborough. Peterborough. Mm. But I mean, like to have to stand as a 40-year-old woman and beg for a shower, beg to be able to get in a bed, beg for some privacy. You know, Sundays are the worst when you know the kids are normally out playing and it's the last day of the weekend. They know it's bath night. You know, they're coming all grimy. You know, I want to get a cup of coffee up for a shower, clean bit of pyjamas on, and I sit there and watch crappy TV all day. The Real Housewives, the only way is to sit drinking coffee all day, getting the kids. Every Sunday it hits me, because I was sitting out here begging, and it makes me cry. And then I think people think I'm trying to get attention by crying, but I have no privacy to go and cry in my You know, I've been trying to get into a bed and breakfast for the last 40 odd days. You know, but I just never get there. You know, we get halfway, whatever. I don't want to spend money on food and that because I just, I'm not getting there. And you know? Simone, I noticed almost immediately yesterday, in fact, I, I've been recording myself when I haven't been able to do interviews and things, I quickly make a little memo, sort yeah. of a voice memo. And I, I said I, I noticed uh, you're in a lot of trouble yeah. physically at yeah. the moment. Do you mind saying something no, about that? I'm, I'm, I've just, well, is that? Is that something that's happened lately or has it yeah, been...? Yeah, yeah, I just found out I've got cancer. I've got an infection in my blood. I've just seen the outreach team again and the hospital's ringing again, wanting me back in. You know, it's... I've, I've had, I had a tick bury itself in my arm, I had to have an operation. I've just spent so much time in hospital and 
I just feel like I actually lent on my hand, just on my elbow and my hand, and I've broken my finger. That's how weak that's, my body is. That's why your um, yeah. hand is yeah. very swollen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the bites as well. Like people say, what's biting that, you? I don't know. It's just like something. Or something. Not even that. I think it might just be because I'm scratching some dirt. Yeah. You know, look how dirty I am, and all I want is a shower. Yeah. You know, and these these bites. You know, like I said to you yesterday, for twenty pounds, we'll keep me there till Monday. You know, I just can't get the money. You know, I end up getting halfway or yeah. a bit, and I have to spend it on food because people are not buying me anything. I'm yeah, hungry course, and I'm cold, and it doesn't happen. Jimmy's, we were talking about Jimmy's. Yeah, uh, it's, Jim not, it's not ideal, and they are trying to probably get me into one of the other hostels. It's like, it's like a shelter, is it? It's a shelter, but it's not very supportive. They, their favourite saying is, um, if you do this, we'll kick you out. I don't find that very supportive. I don't find the fact that I wanted someone just to come hospital with me because I didn't tell I had cancer. Yeah, you were telling me earlier you, know, you didn't want to go on your own. And because I didn't want to go on my own, they kicked me out. Mm. You know, and it's something that's certainly not that I'm pursuing at the minute anyway. I think to be realistic, I mean, you know, even this organisation, North and North, is a relatively small group of yeah. people. But you, you can punch above your weight. Yes. And you do find you bring people in. You have different interests, different concerns, yeah. but I mean to have a framework through which people can come in yes. and be part of something on their own terms yeah. is, is very important. Yeah. I mean, not everyone can work on the railways or be in a union. Yeah. I mean, that is the danger. I mean, for example, there was a big demonstration in London a long ago. The People's Assembly had a big demo. And you're right. I mean, people go up for the demo. They get on their coach. They go up to London. They have a nice day. And then they come back. And it, nothing happens. Yeah. So it's, it is, but it is one of those long-term problems, shall we say, of the left, yeah. in that we are not very good at um, building organisations which have a lasting value, or which are open enough and not sectarian. I mean, I'm sure yes, you know. Yes, that's, that's a famous problem. There's a it? lot of this. As Monty I'm Python observed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, 50, and that is still a problem and we're still one we have to overcome. But now I guess with possibly a Corbyn government, certainly yeah. with a Labour leadership that is really, you know, on the same page. It's true, there's still a lot within the party. You know, for example, let's take local councillors, I mean local county councillors and others, who are Labour councillors. Morning, gents. Have you travelled in by They don't want morning? challenge to their fairly cosy life as a councillor, where you get a little, you get a paid quite a lot now you're on all your committees when somebody comes along and challenges that you're not going to be very happy so yeah. one of the problems the Labour Party has is that many of its you know some of its members yeah. want to keep things as they are yes they are conservative small c <laughs> yeah. yeah you know yeah. and this is a threat yeah so you're this quite is what right. Momentum is designed to Yeah, I mean, address, I'm, I'm a member of Momentum in Norwich. The Labour Labour leadership doesn't necessarily represent the entire party. Yeah. But what it certainly has done is, particularly through Momentum, it's galvanised a huge number of people. Yeah. And it has kind of changed the, the, the raised the temperature. So yes. More I mean, like for example, this dispute, this RMT dispute. People hear about it, and they think, oh, the RMT standing up for its members. Oh, well, maybe we should do that. Like, the murders are still, from what you hear about, at least, mm. fairly rare. But the stabbings are happening at least once a fortnight. Obviously, police spending cuts means there's less of them patrolling. And, like, the job you, you think that, that is 
So you think it's sort of waiting to happen as soon as you take away the police presence? 100%. Like, just the example that I gave you earlier of the guy who was found with a knife on him, the door staff at Missoula had to restrain him for three hours, even though they were constantly badgering the police, saying we need a unit, and they were just like, we've got more important things to do. There's not enough units, I get it, but why is the spending still being cut, especially in a growing city? What do you think the argument is about um, municipal or regional cuts and national cuts? Why are they happening? They're still trying to effectively fully rebalance what happened a few years ago with the recession, I'm guessing. I mean, like I said, I don't know fully everything Mm. about Mm. it, but that's... Do you know what, I just genuinely couldn't figure out why you just need to keep cutting something that's so vital. There are things you can cut back the fat a lot further up than... What would you... What comes to mind if you start to think about what you might... Because we're accepting that, Mm. um, which I don't necessarily, but for the purposes of this conversation for the moment, let's accept that you have to find money somewhere yeah. or cut money mm-hmm. where what would you um, look to do do you think rather than cut front these are called frontline services yeah whether it's health or fire services or police or whatever so you wouldn't you wouldn't be cutting no I wouldn't what, what I, comes to mind then first of all start off with completely abolish the tax break that people who earn a mill and up get because there's not really any need for it if you're earning that amount of money an extra a thousand a hundred thousand pounds is not going to be something you bat an eyelid to like quit that that's going to have a load more money that pumps back in and bring back more stringent rules in regards to drinking so that there's less strain on the nhs because that is I think the last statistic I saw from it was about like 70% or something over the weekend is drink-related incidents, and that would happen between two and four is when, when you're working behind a bar, you normally see the most ruckus, the most fights, the most whatever. And you've seen a bit of that? Yes, yes. I've been threatening myself over a bar numerous times. Nice. It's very scary. uh, People threatening anyone, wrong, but threatening a young woman. Yes. Lovely. Yes. Classy. <laughs> totally got paid enough to take that. <laughs> the sorts of cuts that are being made are amongst the last thing you would look to do. They're the most vital. Yeah. There needs to be tax breaks for people, I don't know, maybe even just under 21. Maybe under 25 as well, if that can be possibly done. Do you think youngsters are having a bit of a hard time? Well, yeah. Let's give you an example. If I earn £1,200 in a month, I take home probably about 1050 That doesn't sound like much, but when you work out that my rent for where I live is about £600, and then bills on top of that, and then any kind of tiny bit of socialising that just keeps you that bit sane on top of that, and then, you know, other living costs, like clothes, when I wear them through on my knees, like, do you know what I mean? Not a lot left. No, not at all. If you did make that kind of tax break, that money would only make the economy better. Because especially my age group and below, I just spend, 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 spend. If there's more money to spend, there's more money coming into businesses, that's better for the economy. Do you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. just, 
there's so many. Oh, I, lo I love Labour. Macroeconomics. I love, I love Labour. Like, do you mean the Labour Party? Yes. Or the Labour movement, or both, or um, what do you mean? Why? I, just, just because it just seems to focus more on what, in the long term, would make a good difference. Mm -hmm. Because if the younger generation are cared for a bit better, then that is only going to make the economy better. You know what I mean? I because do. don't be wrong, the older generation still needs to be looked after. I'm not by any means saying that one mm -hmm. is more important. Mm -hmm. But statistically, who are the highest spenders? Who are the ones who are saving? Who are the ones who have mortgages? Yep. And, you know, children and everything else to pay out for. Um, it's a lovely day. Beautiful. Me um, immediately on coming outside, the rush hour is uh, half bicycle, half motor vehicle. Lots and lots of bicycles in evidence in every direction. And that's a mile out the city centre all the way in. Impression bicycles make, and it's, it is different to anywhere else I've been in terms of the um, incidence of bikes and use of bikes. But I, that um, recognisable smell I know from Bath in particular of uh, air pollution was everywhere this morning too. Uh, it's just coming into Haverhill, 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 Havercrash, and uh, oh, coming in at about 30 I think into the centre uh, from on the road from Cambridge. A high casualty route so the road signs kept uh, warning me. Um, indeed I think I passed a couple of roadside um, memorials, impromptu memorials. A woman just decided to uh, come straight out of a left-hand road I couldn't even see because of a parked van. She obviously didn't think um, she needed to look if she was going quickly enough. And um, I guess to this day and to this moment she still thinks that theory uh, holds true. had a, another brief uh, chat with Barbara this morning agrees that the country is a mess, said she's concerned for her grandchildren in particular, I think one of them is 16. Um, there are nine, nine luxury five-bedroom houses developed with almost no gardens or land around them in the space of an old, I think, warehouse where a warehouse was situated nearby. She, she said to her husband, there's no way they're going to sell those. How, you know, who in their right minds would buy those when you can get an oak barn conversion, you know, nearby for, for the same sort of money? In the event, they were all sold off plan, apparently, at over um, seven figures, million pounds each. And I said, who's, is that London money? Is that people commuting in? Yeah, probably. Uh, it's about... 15, 20 minutes to Chelmsford and then 30 minutes on the train or 28 minutes into Liverpool Street. Or you can drive to Epping and get the Central Line. So that's one way. And uh, she says she never sees or hears a thing from any of them. She's constantly popping things through the letterbox to do with the parish and the community and never he hears or sees anything. Uh, so she says they're too busy uh, trying to pay their mortgages. Uh, what about traffic the other way? She says they're bussing people in from London. These are the people that are working at Stansted, cleaning and uh, 
servicing the airport. Uh, these are people working in construction sites here and there. They're all living in London. They, she said they bus them in in, we, in uh, minibuses and things. They queue up in the morning in London, get, get on a minibus and uh, if they're selected for work and then come out here and, and work in the in what Danny Dawling calls London suburbs. I think you've got some good news around the corner. In the, is there a danger you might get some permanent yeah, digs? Yeah, yeah? That's it, yeah. When's that happening? Monday, hopefully. Yeah. You know, it has been moved on before, so I'm, you know, I'm just not. Yeah. So you're not letting yourself totally. I can't, I yeah, can't do it. In case I can't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, it will destroy me instead. Yeah. So you have to just. You know, I feel like I'm getting pneumonia back now when I cough, it hurts. Yeah. What I'm coughing at is I can lose the screen, and I'm just like, if my body gets pneumonia this time, you don't it think won't survive. You can... I, I won't survive with her. Well, I, I am. Um... I'll be thinking of you on Monday. Yeah, I hope, hope it comes through. What are you going to do with yourself once you're all back on your feet? Well, when I'm all back on my feet and that, I'm dedicating myself and my life to helping the homeless. So I'll tell you something now, I'm a very persuasive woman and I don't have to shout or scream or swear to get my own way. I've learned that in life. I just find a bit of decorum, manners and morals and it gets you fucking on way nice. And I'm going to make sure that piece by piece, obviously starting with Cambridge, I don't care if I have to start up a new law or something, but it will happen. Mm. It will happen and I will do I it. I'm not racist, there's so many other um, races and why am I on the streets? Well no, it's just I feel that it's just a non-starter. No one should be on the streets, full stop. Nobody. Mm. And you should have, you know, I don't think anyone will ever realise what it's like to rely on the public for everything you do in life. Food, drink, shelter, you know, you know. I'll tell you something now, if you, any of these people here can tell me they do what I do and they sit there and, and I don't take drugs or drink, yeah. I know I like to kill myself every goddamn day, yeah. And like, all it is is we're human beings going through a rough time. Maybe, just maybe, more people just took that time to help us. It helps get off the streets. And then we can have our lives back. You would know you've done something good. And we could know that we're back to being in the human race again. Because right about now, I feel like I'm nowhere near any of that. You know, so just, just remember that, because we're yeah. human beings. You know, some of us had a normal life before this. Probably better lives than you. It's not it's not difficult to find yourself in this position no. increasingly, yeah? No. You know, there's a lot of people who are just one page away from being where I am. And then when you're there, you're gonna want that help. I tell you what, excuse my language, but calm is a bitch. Mm. I'm telling you, it is a bitch. It says here the, the kind of wording they look, good service, this is up after Tuesday. And it says something like, I can't remember quite where it is. It says the RMT reportedly had a majority. Now, to use the word reportedly, yes, implies it suggests that it's not true. Yeah, yeah. Now, they wouldn't say that for great, if greater, if with greater Anglia, it would be, look, no, just greater Anglia, fact. doesn't yeah. say reportedly a good service. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an inbuilt, still an inbuilt bias, yeah, yeah. even in the local press. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, isn't bad, the local press usually, because they want a story. 
Yeah. Young reporters want yeah. a story. The views that I have heard expressed, so I'm careful I'm being there, yeah. um, are that actually passengers do appreciate what conductors and guards do. Yeah, do. Everybody who's coming through, you can see them. Yeah. Well, you can probably hear toots and things as, yeah. uh, no, as I've been there. talking. It yeah. is there. Um, so, so it is said, a lot of young people are of the view that you can't change anything through the electoral system, at least here, because it's all, you know, quote, all politicians are the same, close quote. There, Do you know what I mean? There is always a lesser of two evils. Don't be wrong, nine times out of ten, when a politician tells you they're going to do this, this and this and this, they won't do all of it. Hmm. But, you know, take, take America, for example. Both Donald and Hillary, neither were ideal candidates, but Hillary was definitely the lesser of two evils. Mm. Like, they're now being led by a country where their president is teaching young boys to degrade women. And that's just the yeah, foundation of like what's going on, do you know what I mean? There's always a lesser of two evils, whether you think all of the politicians are the same or not. Still do, you, do you think it's true that all politicians are the same? No. Similar, some of them, but... I don't know, once again, like, I don't know enough about all of it to go and make, like, a board statement. I mean, it's pretty hard, isn't it, to... Mm. There are 650 MPs, and then you've got councillors, MEPs, district councillors, county councillors... Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you can't, how, do you, how do you keep tabs on it all? But um, I, I would argue... I would argue MPs are certainly not all the same. Certainly not. You know, there's a vast difference between a Caroline Lucas or a Jeremy Corbyn and uh, what's the, what's we the, mentioned earlier a certain Nigel Farage. Mrs. May, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a big difference. was the East of England episode of Regional Rides. I'd like to thank Scarlett, Dave, Simone and Tia for their contribution. I'd also like to thank all those who helped along the way. The complete collection of photographic and recorded material is now accessible online at www.jonathanoates.net. I'm working on a short manuscript for an illustrated ebook and will publish it serially on the website as I complete it. Access to my content is free on a pay-as-you-feel basis. If you have found the project enjoyable or instructive, any help would be much appreciated. Go to the website for details. I can be reached at jonathanoates74 at gmail.com.